What's up? Welcome to a new episode of Movie Schmovie. This is episode number 390. Mm. My name is Steve. I'm one of the co-hosts of the show. And as always, I'm joined by Ron and John. Oh, coming in with a half whisper. I'm I'm talking in the voice of a of a of a hot high school girl uh, who just wants to buy a pen from the school store. <laughs> and I'm thirty. Oh, and I'm, I'm thirty years old, by the way. But I'm here with my cronies, and I'm just here to buy a buy a pen. I'm also barely opening my eyes. That was also very. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very. How are you, fellas? Good. Good man. How are you, John? Way better. Last week, I, I did not feel so good, so we did not do a show. But it's like yeah. I, I was bummed because <clears throat> if we had we, we bumped it back from Wednesday to Thursday thinking we could talk about Loki. But then we realized we weren't yeah. going to talk about Loki because we would record before they dropped the episode because they're doing mm-hmm. like an appointment time, like a 9 p.m. slot for it. Um, yeah. And so then we ended up not. You know, then I was feeling like hell. So we didn't end up doing it that night. We may we may as well have put out an episode last Wednesday. So I feel like listeners are getting that little <laughs> extra energy that comes with us when we, well, as Ronald yawns. <laughs> I have no energy. I'm saying beh- the the nervous energy behind doing a show. There's a little bit of extra buildup right now. So um, mm. uh, it's like we're doing the episode that we could have done last week, but we're going to add a little bit of extra sauce to it. Surely something's yeah. happened in the last week. Um, I'm gonna guess that, guess Shirley, who's who's coming on the podcast? Uh, Shirley, um, or is that the high school student? Shirley from Laverne and Shirley is actually coming on the show. (laughs) Um, oh, I wanted to talk about my short. She's back from the dead. Yes, you're short. Zombie Shirley. (laughs) Zombie Shirley. Um, I I screened my short the other day. It was very strange. It was surreal. Thanks. Edit in some applause there, John. Oh, yeah, I will. Well, I'll, I'll yeah. let's just yeah, we'll move our hands. Let's <laughs> yeah. not make actual applause. Let's not. We don't want the mic. So you want you want to feel weird? Write something oh, no. and think that it has beats that you think you're like this is gonna hit, and then show it in front of an audience and find out what they laugh at. That's the crazy part. Like you think that something's gonna be you're like this is the funniest part of no no. Audiences find different things, you know, entertaining. Like I might show it to another group and they may find. But the beats that I thought were like the best beats were like, you know, they laugh. Yes. I think that, I mean, not to be weird, but like there were eight shorts. I mean, eight things that were shown and mine got the best reaction, which is really cool. But well, that goes without saying. We knew that, that going goes in, right? Saying. You know, there's, there's a there's a part distinctly where like a, a big things exchange through the characters and that part, for some reason, it's like Michael Myers may have well have come behind a tree and and cut somebody's head off. They were like, what? Mm-hmm. I would never do that. They were like talking at the screen. And I was like, I never thought I'd make something where people talking at the screen like this. For you, some, you, some, you know why I think that that reaction comes when people watch your short, Ronald, is because you it doesn't feel like a big choice to you because it's the kind of scenario that you think about and that maybe a moment you've been through that you remember. But yeah. for people, it's like it's a specific moment, like your scene that you have is a very specific scene. What happens yeah, in your short yeah. is very specific. Like, specific. so I think that I think that that is why. Uh, it can strike a chord with people because they will picture themselves in that situation. And it's a simple enough setup and it's a short enough scene that you you have time to kind of 
just get into what's happening in the moment and not yeah. think about anything else. So I do think that it, I mean, it's like, I saw it a few times, so it's hard to remember that there's a little bit of a ride that you go on yeah. um, with, yeah. with a scene like that. But also I've had that experience, uh, a short film that I uh, helped make called the electric heartbreaker years oh, ago sure. went through, you know, I, I was in that situation of being like on a bill with other films that did well and yeah. feeling like, yeah, there was something people like, not so much like my, ours did the best, but hearing a certain kind of reaction to something you made where it's like, oh, they laughed, but they also got emotionally involved. And it's like, you feel like you're, you're playing the, you're, you're manipulating the audience. You start to get a little power mad, but I, I love that observation about the moments that you think people are going to love are not necessarily the ones that I think about that with it's, music too. We've, we oh can all relate God, to that. Man. I think the song, you put out a bunch of songs and people pick up on this one that you're like, Oh yeah, I like that one. I had no idea yeah. that was the one people were going to love this other one that I was so proud of. People didn't even notice. I think that sometimes yeah. with a movie, it's a similar thing. You it's great to watch it with an audience and learn what the strongest moments actually are. So congrats yeah. on that. Thanks. Man. Yeah, man. Thanks. Uh, I think also like I think also like just I mean, unfortunately, I wasn't there, but I mean, like looking at your promotion for it, I feel like any kind of environment like that where you said like you know there was how many other seven or eight other shorts that played, you know, people that are going to a event like that, you know, to support the short that they're there to see of a friend of a family, you know, like there's such yeah. a communal, there's such a good vibe in those yes. events. You know, mm -hmm. like, and we feel that a lot when we go to festivals, you know, together or when we've gone to screenings like that. But especially when, you know, it's something where, you know, they've built this event around, you know, really kind of propping people up and giving people an opportunity. And there's like, a, and, and, and that individual group comes out to support that short and that you get to have them all together. Yes. And everybody's motivation is the same. You know, you're there to support your friends, film, blah, whatever, whatever. Yeah. And then it's just like there's it, the crossover is just is it's great. And having gone to things like that before, and what you're describing, you know, with getting an audience that's receptive, that's yeah. excited to see all these things on the screen, yeah. that, that's like the one that they came to maybe support. It's like that's a really contagious thing. And I think that like in that environment, like yeah, they're anxious to react and they're excited to see, you know, what somebody created. Um, and they're very, they're, it's like a willing audience, really, is what I'm getting yeah. at, I guess. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. I, I love that experience and I love that uh, for you uh, that you got to do something like that for your short. And I have my fingers crossed for something big. Mm -hmm. And if it works out the way that, I, if, if it happens, how fucking crazy would that be if, can I just say what it is? I mean, yeah, it's you up do to whatever you. you want, man. Okay, I, I breaking news is that what it's being like? A news. So when have we, we been able to stop you uh, in the yeah, past? No, never, never. <laughs> uh, press, we have press accommodations for South by Southwest. I also, you know, I submitted my short to South by Southwest. How fucking oh, cool would it be? That'd be amazing. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, I, I know it's super hard to get into those things. I, I understand that. And it's like a I've noticed that people that that frequently get into these things have kind of like a a press thing behind them, which is a little scary when you see it, the wave of it. But you see, it's like you, you you've like seen the same. When we, when we got into South by yeah. Southwest, I feel like we knew there were some people on the inside of the festival who had seen our film and oh. liked it. So I feel like there was a little bit of that. That's like, so dope. But I'm just saying, I, I know how 
how many things get submitted. And I know mm. like, you're just hoping somebody even watches your thing. You know what I mean? And I, and I've heard some pretty disparaging things about festivals being a racket and you're sort of rolling the dice as to whether anyone's really going to watch it. Yeah. But I also yeah. think they do pick these things out because I've seen people have, especially with a short, a, a truly short one like yours, Ronald, because Yo. yours is easy to program. Our, ours was 27 minutes long. And so it, it could only be put on like a block of like <laughs> oddball shorts. It could yeah. be wedged in between two screenings to fill out an hour, but yours is the perfect <clears> little, if there's like a 90 minute movie and they yeah. want to get something in between that and another screening before the hour turnover, they could throw a couple shorts like yours in there. It makes it easy to program. So that's a, that was a smart move, making it like one scene, you know? So crazy that you said that because my short at the festival that I went to was a transition between like a murder movie yeah, and like a, like a serious documentary. Well, uh-huh. it was the other way around. Yeah, and and, and yeah, right. when we were filming it, that's exactly what the guy said. That was that was uh, handling cinematography. He's like, "Look, this is a perfect length. You don't understand. Like, they can program the shit out of this. They'll just plop mm-hmm. it in the middle of two really long things, and then you're golden." Like, man, I hope that that's happens. Cool. And it might so mean anyway. you get six screenings in a weekend or four screenings in a weekend, <laughs> as opposed to one or two because don't of tell that. Me that you John. Know? I'll faint. I will faint, <laughs> and then there will be. Let's get to the most important question, though. If it yeah. does get accepted, do you think yeah. you could find time to speak to a little podcast called Movie Schmovie for an interview uh, on your South by how, Southwest? Day how day? crazy would that be if I'm just like, <laughs> nope. Yep. And I just have yeah. like a lawyer right here. He's like, yeah. Ronald is there's a guy that rolls in the guy that rolls yeah. in and just shakes the finger. No. Um, what would be great would be if we did a really pretentious, like two hour episode that was the Ronald James interview. <laughs> <laughs> My lighting is different. Yeah, your lighting is different. And um, like we ask you these, you know, really like, you know, that that type of serious interview yeah, question. Yeah. Hard hitting question. Yeah. yeah. Right, right, right. Like, like the award chatter up. sort of yeah. questions. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, that that means at the beginning of award chatter. I love it. I don't know yeah. why. It makes me so happy. Anyway. Yeah. Well, yes. Congrats That's, on that, man. That's good. That's awesome. That, that, that means a lot. <clears throat> Um, so we're going to get into some random things that we've seen over the past couple of weeks, uh, you know, in the guts of this show. Uh, but I don't know, did you, did, before we get to required viewing, was there any news items you guys wanted to talk about? Um, I know we had possibly talked about maybe Loki, Marvel, DC. I don't know if we want to hold that or you want to hold it to the go, end. Go ahead and do it. Oh, oh I wanna... just mean if it's the right episode or. Oh, well, I, I think we have a lot to talk about. Maybe that would be good to come in next week with like okay. a big chunk about it. But if we want to talk about it now, I mean, I, I have some, you know, semi, I, so, I, didn't do, I didn't do my usual digging around for a topic, but I have thoughts. I have off the cuff. Thoughts. I would. Why don't, why don't we do this? Why don't we talk a little bit about just the Loki number one episode? Yes. And right. then we, we'll yeah. get into the, the bigger uh, topic stories, stuff like that. Cause I'm sure between now and next week, more will be coming out about yeah. Yes, yeah. Marvel and DC. So yeah, Loki season two premiered last week like john i think mentioned like we were trying to move our podcast recording around to be able to talk about it and you know we're really good with the research and prep and stuff like that so then the day of we realized or i think i i, I asked like wait doesn't this air at nine o'clock and yeah. it was like oh yeah that's a problem yeah um so yeah it didn't make it it wouldn't have made it either way but uh we've all been able to watch the first episode of the second season of loki which just for some you know if we want to say any news that's positive i guess for marvel tv is that they released like the numbers of like the you know the views of the first episode and it was like 10.2 million something you know mm-hmm. basically the high the second highest viewed show of the of the year right behind the most recent season of 
<clears throat> Mandalorian, which is really great for Marvel because the past few Marvel shows have been the lowest viewed like original TV stuff that they've done. And a lot of the yeah. numbers were pretty low for even other Disney TV or Disney plus original content. But so that that's the positive in terms of just their programming and their production. Um, but yeah, I don't know. What, what did you guys think of the first episode jumping into season two for Loki? Well, I would say even like, how did everybody feel about Loki at the end of season one? I feel like we all were pretty positive yeah, about I, it. But... I, I love the first season of Loki. Yeah. I was positive. I was I was kind of indifferent. You were mixed in, positive. Yeah, mixed positive. Yeah, we call that mixed positive. Yeah, up until the end. So it was it. I rewatched it um a little after the after we had our conversation. I haven't watched it in a while, actually. Um, I want a physic. I want the a physical copy of it because it. Everybody say I want to physically watch it. <laughs> what a physical I'm trying to watch. think of what that. What does that mean? <laughs> no, I want a physical copy because uh, Disney is starting to put out physical media i guess that's yeah. part of the desperation with everything that's happening with marvel it that's insane by the way right nobody knows so what to do of, so let's put out physical media again yeah yeah so they were like we we got <laughs> we need money this. yeah, yeah <laughs> we need money so like prey and stuff like that have kind of come out in physical uh-huh. and loki's kind of come in and i remember watching it again afterwards and i i felt a little different about it the second time i watched it and i think it's going for something that it's pretty amazing, and I'm 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 skewing pretty positive on it. I I think once you have some some other things, you don't. It kind of clears away everything else, and you're like, okay. So the first show that we watched was incredible. WandaVision was incredible, and then Loki was incredible, and yes. then everything else was just okay. You know, those were kind of the top of the pile. To me, I mean, I, I would I would be slightly different from that, but I generally agree that like Loki was the best looking best acted best shot i guess that's like best looking but i mean it was yeah. just the, and overall it had yeah. a look and a feel and a and a and a and a, like the chemistry between owen wilson and tom hiddleston there's something there there's something yes, there something that's there. like unique and really works and i think where the story went uh was interesting and then where it ended up was like you said a really strong thing so yeah i felt like it was the one show that felt like it was worthy of the sort of Marvel storytelling imprimatur, like whatever we want to call that, that, that scope that we got used to from the movies. And yet it felt like a show. It felt like a show that could come back for a second season. And it felt like a show that could keep going in some way. I don't know how that, how long they would keep it going, but yeah. I think that was my main feeling about it was it was one of the more successful. If, if this whole Marvel television show thing on, uh, on Disney plus has been kind of an experiment, it was like one of the most successful examples of what you can do with, a, a movie character and and like not diminishing the power of that character by putting them in this show. Whereas almost every other Marvel thing they've done, it sort of feels like it's halfway to a movie or it's taking a movie character and kind of putting them in a less engaging setting. Um, you know, so I, I, I guess we're all sort of in general agreement. I remember you, Ronald, had a problem with the pacing sort of the first time through. So maybe if and that's maybe... Do. I mean, I, I like, but I like how much it's a hangout show. And mm-hmm. I like that, like, it's not, I like that. The I think well, I'll go ahead and jump to this. I feel like the first episode of season two really did a great job of blending that hangout show vibe that I like the conversations, the the back and forth with like a really good sci-fi storyline episode, like a relatively self-contained thing that has to happen in this episode that felt really 
you know, big felt felt like you know, oh, the biggest screen I could have watched this on, it would have it would have felt even more cinematic also, and yeah. interesting. Um, and I and I will just admit, like adding to this cast, like very carefully, this feels like the most calculated, brilliant casting. Having Kihu Kwan uh, in there uh, as Ouroboros, uh, he he's he's like excellent at delivering this kind of flim flam dialogue, but that also has a certain logic to it. And I like what this show is trying to stake out as it's kind of attitude towards time travel. And I don't know. I just felt like it was a really successful episode of television. And I, I, I kind of can't wait to see uh, where they go with, with the pieces they have. I like the, I like the little mysteries they have going uh, as far as, you know, what's really going on and how many timelines we're seeing and, and that, that kind of stuff. It feels, yeah. it feels fun. It feels like it's got some spark to it. Yeah, I feel like he is like a standout already. I, I think, you know, obviously he's in a moment uh, it, like this comeback run and Oscar and all this just love for him. But um, I think I think that role seems like it's just completely tailor made for him. And, you know, it's got that there's like that sidekick fun vibe, you know, that it's mm -hmm. already jumping off the screen in the first episode. And honestly, in the scene in the episode where he's in, I can't even remember what the area that he worked but like when he is experiencing the time slipping with loki and like remembering it in real time yeah. like everything's updating it like that was awesome like that was, i, I love really that clever. sequence like it was so smart how they did that like as they was like he's like waiting for him to remember what happened in the past mm -hmm. you know that was really great and i just think that interplay with ob uh well what's owen wilson's character's name morbius, uh, morbius. Yeah, like with hit no, like barrier Mobius. change Mobius. Morbius is the uh is the the vampire character that Jared Leto plays it, it, yeah Morbius is the offspring of Morpheus and Mobius yes yes right yes got it I got it I got yeah. it clear down but yeah dude, I, I just love the like you know you have the two scenes of like Loki and Obi and Obi and Mobius and like mm -hmm. it's like this this time you could like feel time wrapping around all of them and and this ob is in the middle of it all like it all i i, I thought that sequence was awesome um it made that episode for me for sure mm -hmm. um and yeah it, it does feel so cinematic compared to the other shows like when mobius is out like trying to do his thing and loki comes shooting out like that that stuff looks like you're saying john like that's that's put it on a big screen like that's well done looking stuff mm -hmm. not so well done looking <laughs> is the wig that pops up at the end of the episode i can't not say it guys i'm sorry no. i will i will call it out all day every day well no uh, but it's an interesting conversation you guys kind of got into this over text a little bit like wigs are a oh weird final God. frontier of it like is. and i think too this is one of those areas where th the resolution and the pixels and the size of the screen and the yeah. clarity that's at one of those other it's like one of those parts of the art that we've talked about this from time to time things that they have to change the techniques or up there the ante like makeup has to be better now costume costumes have right. to be better sets have to be better when you can see all that detail unless you're lighting it perfectly but yeah you can get some pretty egregious wigs in some pretty high uh budget projects they just they'll just go to war with the wigs that they have and 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 uh sometimes it really does look bizarre and this was one of the weirdest hairlines i've ever seen yeah it's just like oh my god it just jumps off the screen and it's like, yeah. it hits me in the face i can't get over it it's just and one then, of those and, things. And, and, and that at the end of the episode was like a weird feeling, like yeah. coming out of oh, yeah. everything it's else being great awesome. episode, yeah. man. That that's yeah, the, it was, it was odd. I'm yeah, sorry, what you're saying? Just the money, just it's it's one of those things that's just secondary. For some reason, it's just yeah. not a priority the same way that like set design. And it should be because it can really break the continuity of somebody's like 
feeling of you know diving into a scene you're like oh okay that's cool and then you're like whoa well it makes it feel campy somehow you know what i mean like in the middle of like especially like in a in a in a biopic or something when they go back to a different era and someone's got a crazy bad wig it's just like well now this feels like a sketch comedy uh, yeah, like that's thing. what somebody thinks the wigs or the hair looked like back right then. right yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. When also in loki hair. specifically it's like you have loki wearing a, li- a wig you know like mm-hmm. you know these characters are wearing wigs like in <clears throat> yeah. the show you know like i don't i mean at least for part of this you know his run as loki he's not always had hair like that nor does it look like that naturally mm-hmm. or anything like that so it's like how to, it's like that it those screen th- those scenes scream like reshoots which is a part of this whole thing that marvel's being criticized for yes and how they manage the tv shows like that screams reshoot to me because something just doesn't look right in that sequence and even in the stinger that comes during the credits also looks kind of weird like those things are weird and uh I, I don't know i don't know how they fix that but i'll to say like i thought the episode was was pretty awesome and um what what really left me, and I don't know, maybe because I feel like I'm kind of drifting a bit from Marvel, is that mm-hmm. like it was a really quick reminder, like within a minute or two of starting. It's like Tom Hiddleston is the star in my eyes of like the MCU at this point. Yeah. Like I feel like Loki as oh. a character, I feel like Loki as a character and, you know, him as that him in that role, I feel still has that magic that jumps off the screen to me. Yep. Uh, which which is 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 like the best arc that you know like that it's gone that long and it's like possibly peaking still. Yeah. Well, I mean, I you felt know? that way watching Guardians of the Galaxy three that it was like, oh, here's that Marvel feeling again of like these characters are right. like For home sure. run. They're like the the actor, the way it's written, the way it's being filmed. Like this is this is that magic. And but but I think you might be right about. There's something. I mean, honestly, some of the stuff between him and Owen Wilson is some. It's great. Like, is it somehow some of the best acting that we've had in yes. any Marvel thing? I don't even know how to say it, that. You know, like it feels just. It's so, up there. It just gets it's so, me. It's so I good. Get so happy when they're sitting there together. Like when going back and forth about whether whether Loki looks bad when he time slips, and then when when Mobius finally like after trying to be supportive about it and say it's not that bad, he finally is like it's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like you're dying and being born at the same time i don't know i just i love the but i feel like there's something and i i tom hiddleston you're right steve but i think there's something about owen wilson what he quietly brings to this thing in terms of you sort of forget that that guy that in the right spot he is so good and he brings such that but that spark i was talking about he's a he's an actor that brings life to scenes when he's when he's on you know um he's loose and i think that you can feel that like tom hiddleston is right there with it and he's great he's very funny too yeah i think really good the one thing that I think we were missing in all this this run, this this last two phases was kind of the the tightrope walk that Marvel used to do between seriousness and comedy that 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 worked for some for a long time that it it just didn't or I'd say like the last two phases didn't feel like as much was kind of weaving in and out. But it's very apparent that they listen to kind of the pacing issues that people may have had about the first season. And they're like, we're going to hit you over the head with this craziness. We are, we already know who he is. We already know some of the threat, some of the level of the threat and to be introduced to it the way we have. And then the fucking thing behind the wall, come on. That made me feel crazy. I'm like, Oh, this is, this is it. Like, this is, there's something very like this doom that's that's impending you, you kind of feel it in the air even through like the, the 
the, the time jumps that he's doing. Something is happening. And you don't know if that was always there or if it's only there because of what changed at the end of the first season. Yes. And we also, because we, he got thrown to this new timeline at the end of last season that he kind of makes it out of pretty quickly. And at first I thought, oh, I was I was wondering if we were going to spend a little bit more time in the like, altered universe. Uh, but I think what they're going to do more is zip back and forth or give us a view of different versions of things so that it doesn't seem like he's trapped in a world where nobody remembers him, which would have been a cool kind of like problem for him to solve in the first episode but i i feel like they know oh but we want to see him interacting with characters that remember what happened in the first season yeah. uh not just off in his own world <clears throat> trying to yell and, and scream at people that don't believe him that something crazy is going on <laughs> but i do i am really curious kind of what, what what you said ronald like the doom behind the scenes like how long has kang actually been behind this yeah and, or how much has he kind of infiltrated? I don't know. It's it's the, yeah. It, I love when he pulls it's a cool that mystery. thing off the wallpaper. Yeah, like that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Like when he's in that conference room or whatever. Oh yeah, when he shot. That's what off. I meant. When I, I'm yeah. like, I'm like, what is this? This is like, this is nuts. I mean, it's like layers and layers and layers are crazy. And but it's cool that we don't know exactly what that is. Like we didn't expect yeah, him yeah. to do that. I didn't know that was going to happen. So I feel like as long as the show keeps us up to date with where we need to be, but keeps those kind of mysteries, those, I, I feel like it's a good, uh, at least for a six episode season, it feels like a good, a good thread to follow. Um, yeah. So yeah. By the time this episode, this podcast comes out, <clears throat> you know, we will have all had a chance to see what they do in the second episode, but it's next, Yeah. But we're all, we're all, so yeah, we like, we like Loki season two so far. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. What else is going on? Uh, how do you feel viewing. about? Oh, go, go, I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. I'm, no, I was going to say required viewing. What was your question? Oh about? no, 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 no. I asked, no, let's talk. Let's talk about the required view. I was going to get into a way crazier conversation about DC. <laughs> that is well, a long. Well, maybe next week we'll do the Marvel yeah. and DC situation. I've took, I got that MCU book, so I'm going to oh, read wow. a little bit of it. Uh, Hold on, oh, let me see if that's on. What's the name of it? It's just called MCU: The Reign of Marvel Studios, and I think it honestly goes through about. The very recent era so there there will be i think in the book some some of what we're talking about like it, it goes into phase four and the in the problems people have had with it so um mm, you know. i have eight audible credits i'm about to get, get well this the interesting right thing now. about the book is it's completely devoid of any like disney or marvel like corporate imagery or photos or oh, anything wow. which, which but it's got like 100 or 100 or so interviews with people who've worked on the movies so it's like it's really kind of a not quite unauthorized, but it's not like a puff piece produced by Disney. Right, right. Um, but but I, I don't. I, I mean, I don't know how hard it goes, but I think it's going to be a mix. I think it's going to be you know just try to be very objective about like the success and the failure of it. But I, I think it's interesting to note that it was about a ten year run. If if there was like a cap on it, it was a you know ten or twelve year run where the system that they were using worked before it, before it stopped yielding the yeah. results that, you know, whether, whether different people have enjoyed certain things that they've made in recent years, which I have enjoyed a lot of it. I still think that bigger question we've had, and you and I've had it a few times, Ronald, where it's like, there's a thing. If these movies were just for comic book fans, they wouldn't be, a, they wouldn't be being made on the scale that they are. Yeah. Um, 
like there's a certain thing that if you're if you read the comics you know is a big part of this stuff that like might be kind of weird and wacky for for people that want to see something a little more grounded or something that that pulls them in a little bit more so um it'll be interesting to see you know if they just yeah this they seem to be trying to like emphasize quality over over quantity is the main thing that this seems to be changing um but that might just be lip service who knows like with the delay of daredevil and all that so yeah, look yeah. forward to that, folks. If you think we talk about Marvel too much on the show, next week we'll devote some time to what's happening at Marvel and DC. And, uh, you know, what did you say earlier, Steve? Everything's broken. <laughs> Everything's broken, man. Everything's broken. You mean the whole movie I, biz in general? Because I feel I, like a I, lot I, of franchises I, are in the same state. Yeah, I think the I think entertainment in general, like the way it's being delivered. Yeah, there's a whole overarching com- uh, conversation about, you know, what the streaming era has done to Hollywood system and Ooh. how they're trying to correct overcorrect and yeah it's it's kind of crazy man like the way we talked a little bit about it on our text thread about like you know Blumhouse taking this massive swing on the exorcist you know uh trilogy reportedly and then you know spending a 400 million dollars and then it's producing insane. 30 million dollar movie which is still in the, and that's the higher end of Blumhouse's movie budgets and you know something that is severely underperforming like that that five seven years ago would have probably to them would have been a home run but like now it's like people don't know they don't know how to get people to watch these movies anymore you know unless the the, the remaining threads are like things like marvel you know or maybe star wars but like you know there's there's the exceptions to that new rule but it's like you know barbie mario like these movies that are huge you know overperformers but yeah, it's crazy like how how weird the whole system is now like it just i think they're all scrambling so hard to figure out you know what to put where and when and you know it's 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 crazy man so yeah we'll talk about that that'll be our our, our topic next week uh the whole system's broken uh <laughs> <laughs> and how it we is. help to break it maybe by uh you know by uh being, possibly you know i don't know yeah. i guess it was smart to stay home when we were staying home um but I can't pretend yeah. I haven't enjoyed waiting. I have I've waited for streaming for a lot of things. I, I shall I'll confess to that. Even though no. I do get out to the theater uh, as as much as I can. So, so yeah, you mentioned required viewing, Steve. This is a um, you know, yeah. if we had timed things a little better, we would have had like all horror selections for October. But I think maybe we'll start that with our next round. Our next round will be our our horror selections. Is that right? We said that last time, but maybe, uh, yeah, I'm down with that. The next one. Well, that Ronald starts it, right? Yeah. Ronald, so you start the next, next cycle. Do you have a horror selection or do you not? I think I do. Okay. Well, we had said that that's, you know, we can, uh, stretch it, whatever, whatever you want to pick. We'll, we'll, we'll explain how it's a horror film. You know, we'll find some, oh, way okay. You'll find some way. Like, <laughs> uh, because I was going to say, I, we could argue that the film I chose for this week is a horror film about high school. <gasps> Man. Um, <laughs> it's, yes it's, okay it's a movie made right in the middle of the teen movie boom of the mid to late 80s uh, 1987's three o'clock high uh it's directed by uh phil juano and stars uh casey shimesco as jerry mitchell um a uh like i i think there's something satisfying about like watching a nebbish uh come like get their world shaken up like any a character who kind of feels like they're sort of buttoned down and they they have control i think that's like a good comedy standby is to have a character like that and like see how they get shaken out of their comfort zone relative comfort zone um you know uh like a character who's sort of like a little ineffectual and a little bit 
and and the cowardice of this character kind of becomes the main plot of the movie. But I think Casey Shemesko is really good in this. Um, the film is, uh, you know, a couple of things just to say about it right up front that would account for its kind of unique look uh, is that um, Barry Sonnenfeld was the was the director of photography. And I just thought this was interesting. I was like, well, we all know Barry Sonnenfeld went on to direct so many great movies or at least had a run there in the 90s. But I looked at his resume. I knew that he was starting to do some pretty interesting work. But in 1987, when this came out, he also shot um, two other movies that came out. And those were Raising Arizona and Throw Mama from the Train. Oh, so, man. so he was on kind of a tear as well, as far as like, uh, you know, as a, as a, in, in the eighties, as a cinematographer, just having a, like when he, his first movie is Adam's family. And you, by that, his visual style is like, just so it's not quite Tim Burton, but it's in that neighborhood of someone who really has a strong visual style, but you know, all the Coen brothers movies he shot and uh, many of these other things, I think throw mama from the train, which is like an Alfred Hitchcock kind of pastiche. Yeah. It's like, it reflects that like use of the camera that I think is all over three o'clock high where it's like, sometimes it's almost like an unnecessarily, stylish uh way of shooting something like there's a scene where uh where jerry leaves a classroom that's showing a film strip about bugs and for no re reason really when he leaves the room the film strip goes off track and burns yeah. and it's like that doesn't happen except that it makes a cool transition out of the scene but you know yeah. i think the movie's full of fun little moments like that phil joan who directed uh, a lot of music videos and i think you can kind of feel that interesting thing too steve you might love this as a as a spielberg guy phil joan was kind of like handpicked by spielberg fresh out of school to work on amazing stories. And then I think Spielberg kind of put him on this movie. And right. also great trivia, uh, Phil Juano, when he, at the same time, he uh, rewrote the script for Flight of the Navigator before, uh, you know, starting to direct. And he got Whoa. hired by Disney and worked at the same time, like in a hallway and had like offices alongside Jeffrey Katzenberg and Michael Eisner. Really? In like 1984. So, I mean, it's an interesting nexus point for Disney. Like Disney was kind of down and out in 1984 and was not like it was, he said it was almost like he questioned taking the flight of the navigator job because it was like, I don't know if I want a Disney movie this early on my resume. You know, he was like, this will make people, make people think I write kitty stuff or whatever. Um, so anyway, I just think it's an interesting director who kind of, if you look at his career, it's like, he's been busy. He hasn't done a lot lately, but he's, uh, he's, uh, you know, he had a period there the next thing he made after this was the U2 tour documentary, Rattle and Hum. And he directed a lot of videos for them. So I don't know. I just think it's like not a John Hughes movie. And yet it's in that spot of like a, a teen movie that's really made with, with an eye towards uh, being cinematic. Um, and uh, there's a lot more to say about it, but I guess that's how I will kind of intro, intro this film because that's what I remembered about it was just that it was like a well-made, interestingly shot movie with some good performances in it. And I remembered that it was funny. Um, and that's why I picked it. So what did you guys think of three o'clock high? <clears throat> I mean, this movie was super important to me when I was a kid. I mean, so I didn't remember the name mostly because when I was watching, I was pretty young. It was like a HBO movie for me. Mm -hmm. And one thing I did not realize, so I was, I was petrified of this movie and I always wondered why. So then Aaron was watching it and I was kind of describing the, the the library scene is it was in my head so when you said it i was like this has i this feels very familiar i remember the premise you were talking I, because this actually happened to me when i was a kid somebody threatened to beat me up he actually knocked me out uh when i was like six yeah <laughs> and this movie shook me up and aaron was like this is filmed like a horror film like it's like these like quick zooms and he the bullies handled in a very specific way 
I thought it was Val Kilmer for for <laughs> my, all of my life. I can see and that. I, I can it see was that. Richard was it Richard Tyson? Tyson? Yeah. 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 Who looks so much like Val Kilmer at this time? It was crazy. Um, this movie meant a lot to me, and I think it was like the balance of the scary and the funny. And I can relate to this. The, the, the main character, he was kind of like a bland sort of guy at first, but then when you see him moving around and interacting with people, he was interesting. He was he was he was cool. And I I wish he would have went on to do, you know, it, it felt like he was a bigger star. He should have been a bigger star. You know, Casey Shemesco, he pops up in things, but you're right. Like, this was kind of the one that I always thought of. When I think of him, I always thought of this movie. Um, he's got such a great comic energy. It's a really good performance because he keeps it on the line. Um, one of the things the director said was he was afraid. He related to this character, you know, because he was kind of a, and you know, an not a tough guy or whatever in school, but he realized like late into working on the movie. Oh wait, what if we end up with like, this guy's kind of a chicken for like the whole movie. It, what if, what if people hate this character? And he said that when he saw the way Casey Shemesco played it, he saw that he was like, Nope, for some reason he's nailing this vibe. That's relatable where instead of focusing on the fact that he's a coward for the whole movie, <laughs> You're focusing on the fact that he's like in an in an insane world and everybody he encounters is insane. And he has to like it's like he has to escape from the insanity of this world where everyone's coming at him from all sides. He said they made it that way so that it would take a little bit of the pressure off of this lead character who could be unlikable if it wasn't like performed in just the right way. And the other thing is, you said he's kind of bland that the costumer kept coming up with interesting looks for the lead characters. And he said that it's one of the reasons he thinks the movie has aged well is that he tried to make people's clothes kind of bland. He wanted to like, he said a blue sweater and blue jeans. And even the way the bully is dressed like out of the fifties, he wanted it to be slightly less dated. Like he could sort of see what was happening in other eighties movies and realize that if you just make it look like fashionable for 1987, it's going to look like 1987 forever. Um, So I do think the the blandness of it is part of the, yeah, part of the shtick almost. Oh wow, that's pretty cool, Steve. Yeah, I think, I think I, 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 yeah, I like this movie. I remember watching it. I haven't watched it in a while. Um, but yeah, I feel like the character, you know, like Jerry. I, I think Jerry Casey's Mitchell, perfect name, is is really what makes it, it a like likable character. Because yeah, like the situation that he puts other characters in, you know, is not so great at certain times in the movie. So like, yeah. it, it could be a situation where it's like, oh, that's pretty pretty messed up that he did that you know like to try to avoid getting himself hurt and here somebody else gets hurt uh yeah his cowardice has like a corrupting influence on his world you yeah know, like everything yeah. goes and, like, off consequences track. on yeah. other people right, right right but i mean yeah i think his performance really kind of softens that a little bit but yeah i don't know this is like i feel like he is an is an actor who you know i definitely remember him from a lot of things in that time frame but like he never really kind of got into that like I don't know, like the Brat Pack era or that 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 level of like actor who you'd see and recognize. Isn't but, he in um, one I mean, of the Young in, Guns movies? Yeah, he's in Young Guns. He's in Back to the Future. He's in right. Uh, he's in uh, Stand by Me. Uh, yeah, he's in a lot of stuff. Like in that eighty-five to eighty-eight run, like he's in a bunch of big movies. Um, but yeah, this is a really fun like high school, you know, comedy, dark comedy. Like I've I've always enjoyed this. Um, it's kind of cool seeing, uh, you know, a lot of actors pop up in it that it, I don't know, like, I guess I don't see them as often, you know, in, in terms of like the, the 80s movies that they were in. Yeah. Uh, like Jeffrey Tambor, who who still kind of looks like Jeffrey Tambor in yes. that movie. Right. Um, who else was it? Um, Philip Baker Hall's in it. 
And I, I didn't Baker, get the look Baker it up. Hall is great. Uh, uh, the 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 character he plays it. He plays it so straight. You know, I love how all the authority figures yeah, in this okay. kind of have their heads up their asses in this kind of like menacingly buffoonish way. Like it's that yeah. classic teen movie thing of like nobody understands you, but it's like amped up to where it really feels like the world is like the walls are closing in on him. And I think that uh, like. The, the casting in that is I love the Duker. Nobody escapes the Duker. And the fact that <laughs> yeah. then later it becomes clear that he, that the, that the security guy is like, he's emulating the principal because he's shaved his head to look like him is like when, when you see them together, it implies there's this, like, he's trying to be cool. Like the principal, yeah. which is such a weird little storyline, but it's like hinted at just because they both have shaved heads. Um, no, I thought it was some of that was really funny, but also the guy who plays the Duker is Skinner from uh, um, uh, Twin, not Twin Peaks, uh, X-Files, the X Files. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, th- I saw Paul Paul Feig also pops up in there as one of the hall monitors. Oh yeah, uh, which is kind of cool. I also think, uh, and and this is something I always think about, like uh, when I think about this movie, and I and this time I remembered why I think about Buddy Ravel the character because he is kind of a villain the whole time, and then at the very end he almost soft that that one scene in the in the school store at the end almost feels like a dream sequence or something it's so silly yeah. how everything goes his way but i love it when it seems like buddy Ravel disappears like michael myers at the end of halloween when they're like he was over <laughs> yes. here I, yes. I would love it if we didn't see him again after that but uh, i i love the way that he calls out uh jerry's cowardice like even though we see that he's a terrible guy and the stories that are told about him before he comes to the school make him sound like a you know a guy who should be you know shouldn't be in the a regular school population because he's so dangerous um yeah. but when he says uh what does he say he says uh, you didn't even try how's that feel it's like legit cutting to the bone of Jerry's character and it kind of cuts through all the stuff we've been saying about him being a coward and um and then i think it's kind of funny because the movie seems so aware of like this is like a bad uh this is bad, this kind of machismo that's going on here that, you know, it's going to get people hurt. Um, and so it's funny. It's like, it's a cautionary tale of, of like needless violence and existential dread where the lesson you learn is kick the, kick the other guy's ass and win big in front of everybody. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you almost picture the movie coming up with a less like Jerry just kind of, you know, finds his, finds his warrior spirit or whatever and goes into this like his his pride is insulted to the point where he realizes the only way out is to is to win the fight or at least yeah. to fight but i do think it's funny that then he becomes a badass it's a little bit like you know in any movie where the character's out of strength and then they push a little harder and they somehow become stronger than they were before um right. but then it kind of makes you think well maybe buddy revels a guy who doesn't count on people fighting back that often like most people you know maybe don't get a second round with him or whatever but um that fight at the end is crazy it's like it's insane and did you notice that the crowd noise that was laid in as far as the soundscape is like this crazy like rah, rah, roaring crowd but the actual crowd is just standing there everyone's just kind of standing there n- not opening their mouths not moving around yeah. um i also think a good way to avoid uh, racial stereotypes in your 80s teen movie is just to not have people of color in it Anywhere at all. at all, except for like no a one. couple of folks in the crowd. Yeah. But but I feel like that's and then the other thing I remember I'd said, let's get ready for some slurs. There is like a certain homophobic slur that's in the movie twice, but I'll give him credit, it's in the mouths of the meatheads. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's played as like something a meathead would say. It's not yeah. like you know, uh, the buddy and something Jerry. It's not like Jerry says it. So I don't know. The movie stays on the right side of a lot of that kind of stuff. I think there's a little bit of weird stuff like that teacher. Now that's what I call a book report. Like the next scene should be her getting arrested. We all we all know that. 
Yeah, yeah. That was nuts. Like that, what a choice for yeah. her to be as aggressive as she was. Cause it was kind of implied at first. I would have kind of loved that part, but no, they they went all in, in it on the well, right. If they hadn't brought her back in, I would have thought yeah. that was just kind of a wild scene. But when they brought yeah. her back in, it was it was part of his too too happy ending where it's like, oh, look at all the women he has to choose from, and one of them is a felon. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, one other thing I thought was kind of interesting was I never noticed this before. Um, the opening chatter when the kids are walking up and everybody's talking about Buddy Ravel and it's all these crazy stories about what he's done. You sort of assume all that is true. But then the movie ends with the same kind of pulling up to the school and everybody's talking about what happened with Jerry. And we know that a lot of the stuff they're saying about Jerry isn't quite accurate. Yeah. So it made me wonder, like, are we to infer that all the, the legends about Buddy Ravel aren't all aren't all true either because I, I took all of that stuff at face value and thought he really had like attacked teachers and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. I didn't know how we were supposed to take it at the end when it's like, Oh, this, the, the rumor mill is churning and now they've made Jerry into something he's not. Um, so, but I thought that was a kind of a cool way to bookend it was with the kids walking up, like, and everybody's like, Hey, have you heard, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fun movie, man. Fun movie. So who's next, Ronald? You got you got to pick, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, we got this. Is you know, have you ever been asked if you read a like imperative book? What you you haven't read? You whatever you ever read? <laughs> have I ever read something? Yeah, so he's saying has he? Has, has, you has anyone ever kind of needled you about have you read yeah, this? Have you read like, that? Hey. Yeah. Have you read a what's an important book? What's what's a because I don't know it, it it's it's the cultural I don't know I, I'm trying to think like um there was a there was an advice book that was really huge when I was in college like and if you didn't read it you were like why why are you not reading this book well anyway there's a movie. And the horror genre, the, the the physical media guys used to always talk about that I have never seen in my life. And I swear, whenever someone's brought it up, I scratched kind of the back of my. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen, I've seen 1999's The Audition. Oh. I've seen Tikashe Nikkei's uh, The Audition. I've never seen it. I've never Ooh, seen this movie okay. in my life. Right. And I'm and I'm choosing it because a it's horror. Because I I wanted to start it off crazy. Because if so, and, and I have to tell you, I'm not into these kinds of movies. I'm not into like torture porn movies. But I keep hearing, you know, I know his style of movie. I know that like when somebody gets caught in a fight, it's like you're gonna cut their arm off, they cut their leg off, yeah. then put a shark on it, <laughs> and then set it on fire, and then bring a dog. It's just like take it easy, guy. And they put out a cigarette in it. <laughs> they put a cigarette in it. Yeah, so the audition. I know it's a crazy one, but I've no, never it's seen uh, it. it's an it's it's intense. I mean, it's de it's definitely that. I mean, it's not that. It's not the you know the torture porn thing can get applied to almost anything that has a certain kind of violence in it, but it's mm. not always a fair thing to say. And I feel like the audition is not, you know, in the sense of that term, kind of denoting something kind of empty or or sadistic. I think that okay. movie is more fun's not the right word but it's a more like um i don't know 
it's a more interestingly made movie, like the way it starts and the way it builds and the way it develops into the situation that it's kind of famous for. It's a, it's, it's like, if you didn't know anything about it, you would think you were watching like a, a completely different kind of movie. And I think that's, okay. that's why it's, it's like a, it's almost like a prank played on you as a viewer <laughs> that just gets mm, deeper right. as you go. Um, but it's got a couple of bone chilling moments, like those, like one or two shots that are like, okay, that is one of the creepiest things I've ever seen, you know? So, yeah. I'm excited. I've never seen it. Um, it. It is available on Tubi. Um, and if you are a premium Amazon Prime member, you can get that, get it there as well. So got some places that and Sling. Sling TV apparently has it for free. But Tubi. What is a premium Amazon Prime member? What does that mean? I don't like know. Like a really cool Amazon Prime. How do member. I know if I'm that person? Man? I don't know. What You'll know. If you, if, Steve, if you were premium, you'd know. Nah, yeah, but I guess I'm not. Womp <laughs> womp. Does a bow tie show up every time you start a movie? It's like, doo -doo 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 -doo. hey, sir, <laughs> would you like some popcorn? And the popcorn comes out of the bottom of your TV. It's also it's, on canopy. Like a certain model of television as well. It's no? also on yeah. canopy. Oh, okay. shoot. That's a so that's lot. The, that's a lot. That's, of the, that's the free library one. Yeah. Yeah. Tubi has become this like insane. Tubi. Every time I, I want to say that, I want to say that. <laughs> you think that's why they need i always it? want to say to be continued but but oh uh, yeah. i like both of those yeah. you think they're gonna they should do like a amazon sound like instead of to doom just like to be and then it just goes <laughs> <laughs> well send them the sample of steve you know we, so we, we just I mean, got that People that's that's our ticket right there, guys. <laughs> that's, that's how people get famous, right? Is yeah, from making. I think a, that's what it is. Doing unsolicited uh, <clears throat> chime sounds and then sending them in. So, um, well, that's cool. That'll be a fun, fun, but I mean, not fun, but an intense yeah. and a great way to start off our our round All of right. horror selections of uh, of required viewings. Speaking of required viewings, there's another movie that we were required to view this week by Mr. Ronald James. <laughs> <laughs> and I still don't know why. <laughs> yeah, tell, tell us about uh, the the mean one. This is one of those emails that we get from these publicity houses, you know, from getting on the festival list. And it's yeah. like, why did this one? Why did Ronald chase this one down? And I, I'd you know love to find is? out more. You know what it is, man. It's it's that wave of all the properties that are becoming. Like you know, like open. Winnie the Pooh, yeah, and yeah, yeah, Slaughter House, yeah. So for <laughs> anybody that doesn't know, um, a lot of the licensed pro uh, names, uh, properties that have existed are kind of in the free sort of thing, and, and the reason for that is a lot of the times, um, companies can't get uh. They can't own it twice, essentially. Like if, you know, they can own it for 50 years and then after that period or something like that, they can't do it again. And what, what happens is Disney typically applies for like longer copyright protection, apparently, to own, to own the rights to, to a property. And when it exceeds that time, it's, it's free use for everybody. So what's happening is a lot of these properties are becoming free and you're seeing mm -hmm. like the Winnie the Pooh horror film, the, you know, the mean one, which is the strange Grinch thing. I mean, that's not a Disney property, but it does happen. Well, but it yeah. feels like they, they, they do the thing where they can't quite say it's the Grinch. The you Grinch. know what I mean? They're yeah. not able to use yeah. the word, but they sure try to have fun with that. They do. Boy, 
Yeah. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that's the screen grab for this episode. Is John John and I going and Rondo like this. It's about Here's- 10 seconds ago, John. Just grab that one. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just kind of one of those things. And, and I gotta tell you, I don't know what I watched. I, I you know, I, I think I mean, it's a little bit like shooting fish in a barrel because these these movies are not made to be great films. But I think I can see why you said let's comment on this trend of these sort of kind of uh, sneaky sneaking around copyright, uh, like what would be a legacy sequel or a weird prequel or whatever uh, or a reboot is actually being made, you know, low budget and as a kind of, uh, you know. A little bit of I don't know. It's it's like maybe to confuse a certain sort of uh, person who might think it's something it's not. But I still feel like it's it's marketing itself as such schlock and so campy that it's not like they think they made, um, you know, some great movie. They know they made something that's just but, designed oh. to get that's just designed to ensnare the curious. You know that because yeah, there's yeah. a there's a certain kind of movie we all know it. Yeah. <laughs> this is that I, I i i did think it was kind of interesting though how um like yeah the tone of it was just so like the, i don't know that the actors quite knew what the tone was and the tone kind of changed from scene to scene yeah and some parts felt unfinished in terms of the sound mix and um so yeah I, it was a really <laughs> it was a long 90 minutes uh, I, and again i feel weird picking on a movie like i said that's so clearly not trying to be uh, uh, the greatest thing in the world, but it was, you know, I, I've been curious about those other movies you mentioned, the Winnie the Pooh one and, and that sort of thing. And it's like, I don't know. I just don't know. I, I used to be able to watch any kind of schlocky thing and kind of, you know, have fun with it. And I think sometimes now I just find it depressing. Like, <laughs> like these people may have tried, I don't know. And if they did that, that, that just makes it more depressing. <clears throat> yeah, it was, I don't like to say things are bad. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, it's it's hard. Like, you know, we want to talk about things that it, you know, I, I think it's been pretty few and far between that we've really kind of approached talking about a movie like, you know, we're trying to dance around this one. You know, it's kind of like uh it's not a good movie, like just yeah. point blank. Like it's just not. Yeah. I mean, making I don't know, like the idea of trying to make the Grinch a slasher is is I don't know, interesting and you yeah, know, yeah. If the budget's not there, uh, or 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 the I don't know, or the cleverness of how to pull it off is not there, which I don't think it is in this, um, you know, just like what the, like the computer effects, like they just look really, really bad, um, and it, like you know, it just kind of takes you out of the movie. Like when we were talking about this, it was like it, it's it's like one of those things. And again, I, I'm not trying to pile on anything. I don't like t- you know knocking down something that obviously people cared enough to make. But like it just uh, it's one of those things where it's it's really it was really hard to get through the movie like, you know, and I'm down for watching all kinds of BC level horror movies. And yeah, yeah I, sure. I just feel like there's definitely, uh, you know, with with it coming out, uh, you know, this time of year, it's obviously trying to capitalize on the time of year. They're also trying to capitalize, you know, on the popularity of uh, what's it called? Terrifier. You know, because the guy who is in that's in this is the Grinch. Um, oh, he is. Oh, yeah. The, the guy who plays, uh, I don't even, I'm not, I can't remember the name. Um, what, what's the name of the, uh, what is it? Art the Clown. Yeah. David, D- David Howard Thornton is the guy who plays the, the, he's Art the Clown. 
the mean one in this year. Oh, but this, uh, it's so weird that you pursued this movie because my brother has been asking me about this movie for like months. Are you serious? And yeah, my brother like loves Terrifier that 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 series, and like that's how he heard about this movie. And like he's all for like just be you know kind of like low budget yeah. horror. We we mm-hmm. like we both watch that all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, you know, yeah. so what I definitely told him about it. He hasn't watched it yet. He just realized it just came out. Okay. Like he didn't realize it had come out yet because he'd been trying to watch it because it was shot like a while ago. And mm. it was like, you know, when is this coming out? I don't know. I'll let you know. And then when I saw it, it finally came out. It feels so fresh and timely, though. Like it does. <laughs> he, he, he hasn't watched it yet, though. So I'm curious to see. I have to say there's, <laughs> you know, if I'm going to just mention things that made me laugh, um, I sent you guys the ridiculous screen grab of the woman with the Christmas hat laying across her head. Yeah. That scene where there's we're supposed to be it's like they're they're having so much fun putting up Christmas decorations. That was the craziest thing I've ever seen. That sequence, <laughs> the yeah. acting in it is just insane. The dad is really going for broke. I will say I was a little surprised how quickly dispatched uh, certain characters are, yeah. but. Um, once you know the kind of movie you're watching, you realize that no character is really there to, except to be dispatched. I will also say that um, there's a point where there's a really suspenseful moment and a, and a key piece of information is is discovered. And they try to get like dramatic mileage out of the line. The website is run by Mayor McBean. Yeah. And that that hurt that hurt my brain to try to, <laughs> to try to take that seriously. But I also think that just the uh, moment when like they zoom in on the pictures to like there's photographs and there's this evidence that the Grinch has always been there, like Pennywise in the background of an old photo or something like that. But the, the effects work, the Photoshopping they did to put the Grinch in the background of those photos is so ridiculously bad. And the camera shows yeah. close-ups of it and it doesn't even look like anything. It's the craziest thing that I've ever seen. Um, and it, you know, but outside of that, yes, um, you know what this is. You might be curious enough to watch it. I, I don't know. Maybe the right group of friends, this would be a fun one to have on. But I still feel like at 90 minutes, it starts to get really long. Um, and when it goes into its last act, I don't even remember. I can't even remember what the main complications were, except that, like, they have to go. Oh, well, oh, I remember now the boyfriend goes out to, like, take on the Grinch himself or take on the mean one himself yeah. and then needs to be rescued. I- I, I did like the idea, like, you know, to, to say something positive, it's like, I think the idea of where the movie went at, you know, in the opening intro, you know, like when the narration's talking about the story that we know and, you know, one slight tweak to the story, you know, the, the mother comes down is like, yes, that would be the reaction is like, there's this green monster yeah. yes. <laughs> for Christmas. Yes. It's like, you would react like that. Uh, that 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 pivot, I think, is a pretty creative way to kind of get him into a slasher uh, movie. But that's it, like basically stopped right there. Uh, yeah. For me. Uh, but yeah. So it's not a it's not a recommend for me. Uh, I got to be blunt. Is it, yeah. This is a hold up. Uh, and then you know if it, it, but if you're if you're uh, if, if you kind of like check all the boxes for these kinds of movies, you know these uh, the IP that's not IP uh low budget horror movies then it's on it's on demand for you to find and uh and yeah hopefully you can find it and check it out if if, if it's still of interest to you and god have mercy on your soul (laughs) (laughs) oh man that was it's a rough watch i'm not gonna lie to you man it was yeah 
I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't be sorry. I'm so sorry. I, I, we, I appreciate your apology. <laughs> we, we, we we knew it was we knew what it was when we agreed to it. You know what I yeah, mean? Like because I've been I've been wondering if we should talk about one of these one of these movies we've mentioned anyway, just because it is a little bit of a trend. Um, yeah. But I, I don't know. We've talked about this before, how it's like we like certain kinds of sort of extreme movies or super low budget movies or super interesting solutions to not having a lot of resources. But we're not really big, I don't know, kind of midnight movie fans might be a yeah. simple way to say it. Like not to say mm. that we don't ever like those, but most I don't know. I, you know, I, I, I love that movies like this exist for the people that like your brother, um, yeah. is, you know. They probably have fun doing it the way that I just was saying. Like it's a, they, th it's fun to have a movie that you can kind of talk over and not feel too bad <laughs> if you're, yeah, yeah, yeah if no, you're having sure. fun watching this kind of thing. But I would say that if people come to this looking for like terrifier level gore, they'll be disappointed. Um, they'll be it, very sad. Yeah, because it really kind of seems to avoid showing you uh, much of anything. Um, in fact, sometimes it just got real confusing when like crazy stuff would happen there'd be some quick edits and someone would just be on the floor in a cave and i'd be like wait what's happening <laughs> he's also I kind of like john wick like he's you're saying he's, also, he's kind of like one? yeah he's kind of like like the scene where he goes to the restaurant he's just like <laughs> yeah he's doing like insane moves and and everybody's just kind of walking to him one at a time like an action film just like yeah. oh oh he's oh he just murdered my friend okay let me walk into this death. It's always a nice thing to do is to like, you know, take take on a person one by one, make it easy for them. <laughs> Especially a guy in a suit who probably doesn't have a lot of visibility. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was nuts, man. Zero out of zero. If I could rate it zero. So it's a perfect score. It's a, yeah, it's a perfect. <laughs> that is a zero out of a possible zero. Yeah, there's no five. You guys killed it. Yeah, I like five. that. I like that. It's a perfect score, zero out of a possible zero. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was bound to fail. It was just bound to fail with yeah. that system. Well, what else so, has has anyone seen, dude? Guys, I've seen so many things. How have oh, you? I, I, I have a. I have a feeling. Well, I don't know. Did you guys not? I got to read one for Ronald. I thought you had like. I did not. I, 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 I know you watched things. Totally Killer, like I, which was yeah. I watched totally. Kept, I need you to talk about it because I'm. I'm. I. You kind of gave me a little piece of what you thought, and then. Well, Steve, why don't you rattle off the things you've seen? Um, we'll see who's seen them. Well, then we'll okay, then yeah. we'll start with Totally Killer since you guys have seen it and I have yeah. not. Okay. But like, okay. Maybe... So do Totally Killer first. Yeah, okay. but 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 what were what are the other things? Just in case I can yeah, what, what, hop on one of them. So I've seen the creator. I saw that. You saw that. I saw. I saw that. I saw mm -hmm. Reptile. Did I not saw see that. Bottoms. Did not see. I saw No One Will Save You. I did not see that. I saw that. I saw Flora and Son. Did not see. I saw to see VHS that. 85. I have not seen, but one. Jesus Christ. I saw Haunted Mansion. I have not seen. I didn't see that. And I saw Fair Play. All right. I did not see those. I saw Exorcist <laughs> Believer and saw X. So, oh, I, oh, I want to see Sonic so bad. I don't know if you do. No, you Ooh. might. I don't know. <laughs> no, you, I, you're a big Saw guy, right? I'm a huge Saw okay. guy. Okay, well, the, it might be the it might be your jam then. You're probably gonna love it then. I, yeah. I haven't seen it either, but I think that's the thing. If if you are are if you're in on it, Saw some of them are bad though. Like I, you know, yeah, but this is like art, like pretty. Well, I don't know. 
John I, 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 yeah, I, I'm, you know, I could give my short blast about it. But anyway, let's go back now. That, so that's so that's quite a list, Steve. We'll have to get we'll have to get some quick grits uh, with Steve Ritter on those films. I was going to give a, thumbs up yeah, down, thumbs yeah. up down. Okay, but but, but, but totally a, killer. Yeah, you guys both have seen that. So, what did you think of that, Ronald? Blumhouse strikes gold again, and it's something about <laughs> it's a slasher with a weird spin. Is it Kieran and Shipka? Think- that stars in it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And anybody that doesn't know who that is, Mad Men, uh, uh, Sabrina, Don Draper's uh, daughter, Sabrina. Uh, oh, and then, no, I'm sorry, not Sabrina. She was on Sabrina. Yeah. yeah she yeah. was Don Draper's daughter on Mad Men. Uh, but great, great actress. Um, yeah, and really it, is. it is a, did they talk about it in the trailer? Because I don't want to just say what it is if it, it's not in the trailer. Did you see the trailer? Yeah. Say what? What do you mean? Say what? What? What the? What the gimmick is? What the? The gimmick is Back to the Future meets Scream. Oh, oh shit! I mean, I guess yeah. I mean that that that's what they've been promoting it as. I mean that's, that's... what the Nacha Khan, who's the director of the movie, uh, has been. She's been on a bunch of podcasts that I listen to promoting this movie. Um, that's kind of the way that they're selling it, which the movie really does lean into both of those properties. Yeah. Um, so it's taking yeah. place in present day, and the character at some point has to go back to 1987 to stop a series of murders. And so there's cultural pop culture reference points that someone from 2023 would know. And, you know, going back to 87, the timing, you know, Back to the Future comes out not, you know, a year or so before that. <laughs> Everybody at that time knows what Back to the Future is. So it's like, it, it, it's a movie that they, it, it, that's, I think, what works really well about, I, I love this movie. Like, I really, really liked it a lot. Um, I think it's very funny at times. I think the, the, the slasher element of it's fun and works in like a real traditional 80s sense. And, um, and, I, and that, the, the meta of it all, I think is really fun. Like, just, to, just go with us on this time travel thing. Yeah. Like, have you seen yeah. Back to the Future? This is Back to the Future. Like, she says that line of dialogue in the movie when she goes back. Like, she says, you know Back to the Future, right? Like I'm basically Marty McFly right now. Like, she's, <laughs> yeah. like that's how you cut through all the exposition yeah, of yeah, what's yeah. happening and how time travel works. It's like that's what it is. Um, but yeah, the cast is really good. You know, the 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 um Kieran Sherpa Sherp, Sherpka Sherpa. What what is her last name? Is it Shipka? Shipka Shipka Kieran Shipka. Yeah, she's great. I mean, like I, I've liked her in anything I've seen her in for the most part, and um. This is just a really easy, fun watch. Like you know, it's like an hour forty minutes. Uh, Julie Bowen's in it. Um, Olivia Holt's in it, who some people might recognize. Lachlan Monroe. Um, some other people. Most people that I know, Nanashka Khan, probably know her from Fresh Off the Boat. Like she was the showrunner on that show. Mm-hmm. So um, some people that you might recognize from that show pop up in this movie um, in small roles, but. Yeah, I mean, if, if that premise gets you at all, and if you've honestly, like, it kind of, a lot of people were, like, saying this movie was already done in The Final Girls, which it is kind of a similar movie, you know, where a character is going back, you know, to the 80s to to try to save somebody, specifically maybe a family member, mm-hmm. you know. But the movies are are similar in that in that line, but it kind of deviates pretty quickly. And because, and, and, like, that's a camp. It's going more for, like, the 80s slasher you know the jason Voorhees friday the 13th vibe where this one is much more you know like a scream happening in the 80s 
um, and a character who goes back to the eighties, you know, who's aware of scream and what scream is and did. Um, yeah, so, you know, yeah. the name dropping is there and um, yeah, I thought that, I thought that it was really good. And is that, that's on Amazon prime. Amazon prime. Yeah. That, yeah, that's one. I, I don't know if you have to be premium or not, but I'm not premium apparently, and I watched it on Amazon Prime. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> uh, but yeah, I thought that was really. Aaron and I watched that together. She she kind of loved it, so I, I was really a big fan of it. Yeah. Did you like it, Ronald? I loved it. I yeah, I, I didn't understand how it like that juggle, man. It's it's hard to do death and funny and make it work, and for some reason, somehow this worked. I mean, and, and, you know, when the deaths happen, they're pretty brutal and it is, it is a mystery at the same time. So it's like right, all these things right. kind of playing out the same way that Scream was, but this is a little more like grounded in something a little more close because the, the main character's mom dies. So it's like the, the, the emotional connection to this is a little different than just a killer in the town killing people. So it's like, it, it's cool. It's cool to see this character. Well, to it's be just, clear, to be clear, that's literally what happens in Scream. Oh, uh, well, I was gonna say, well, she, I was gonna say, when she goes back, she sees her, her mom as right, a right, kid. right. That so, that's the angle I'm saying. Though, but the slasher piece of, you know, the mother dying is the motivation for like the story going forward. Oh, that's yeah, exactly yeah, yeah, what happens yeah, in Scream. Yeah, yeah. But she goes back in time and sees her mom, yeah. going through this in the '80s. Yeah. It it yeah. adds a layer. I was gonna for say sure. that, that adds a layer of crazy to it because it's like. You know, you're like, whoa, what, what, what a teenager do in this situation in the 80s? Oh, okay, they yeah. don't have phones, they don't have all this. I, I could text you and say, hey, Steve, Steve, yeah. John, there's a killer outside. That'd be the end of it. He's like, <laughs> okay, well, I'm not going outside then. Yeah. <laughs> Doors are locked. I'm good. And scene credits in it. Yeah, like, or, or I arm my alarm from my room, from my phone, and the police are on their way. <laughs> credits. End of movie. No, it's it's good. I, I think you would definitely dig it, John. You should definitely. No, it check sounds that one it sounds out. good. It's, it's really fun. Yeah. I usually like those movies when they have a. I mean, I don't always look for like a meta angle, but if it's like if it works, if as as you say if the functionality of like the slasher mechanics is good yeah. are yeah. good, yeah, um, I, think it is. I, I, I tend to go, all right, this, this is like not just doing the meta thing, but it's, a, it's also giving you what you want from this type of movie, which is like set pieces and scenes that, you know, that escalate. Um, well, Steve, since we both saw the creator, I guess I could ask you what you thought of that Gareth Edwards's latest movie kind of, kind of eye popping, you know, sci-fi epic. It's 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 got some pretty interesting things about it. The way it was made, it it's a relatively inexpensive movie compared to a lot of uh, you know other genre films we see, particularly like superhero films and yeah. franchise films where they regularly spend between two and and three hundred million dollars on the movie. This is like made for a lot less than that and looks great. Um, uh, yeah. What did you think of the creator? I really liked it a lot. And I think, and I'm going to go back to a conversation that we have all the time. I feel like the, I think the thing that kept me from loving it was John David Washington. Yeah. I, I, really? I, again, I, again, I do not buy into this dude at all. Oh. Like I, there, there are so many scenes in this movie where I just, man, I, I was like super into the movie and like, and there's, you know, Gemma Chan is in the movie for a period. And like, I feel like she's just incredible. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there are scenes where they're playing off each other where I just don't, did not buy it at all. Like he's just not on that level. 
And I felt the same way about him in a lot of movies, but more recently, the Malcolm and Marie one that he did with Zendaya, like she's just going off the screen. And like, I feel like he's just playing catch up. But this is just another another tally in my box of like, I'm out on John David Washington. I <laughs> The whole movie, I'm like doing that thing we talked about before, like, like who else should be in this movie in that role? Like who is the other star that should be in that role? Yeah. If you know, that's where they're going, like who else would it be? And um, yeah, no, otherwise though, I thought the movie was really cool. And I think like, you know, John's, John's comment about the production value and it looks amazing. Like it might be the best looking like special effects stuff you'll see this year. I think like I, I'm trying to, like, I'm, I was thinking about it after the fact, like what looked better especially because it's a it's a reported 80 million dollar budget and the wow. movie was shot on a four thousand dollar camera that you can buy at best buy and steve and, i don't know if you read this in like in like a hundred locations yes all over the world they went all over Insane. the world and found places a four thousand dollar camera that fit yes. the story they found places that fit like the the feel like an a, a, a unique look a unique kind of what they did with like when when we first saw new zealand in the lord of the rings movies years ago and it was just all this sure. new terrain and they were like oh let's just go around new zealand and find the places that correspond to the environments mm. we need and it was something you hadn't seen a million times before but i mean this the attitude was find the right place to shoot the scene and then what, um, maybe you read this too, Steve. Then they edited the movie completely and then yes. did the special effects. So they yep. knew exactly what they needed. There wasn't a lot of try this, try that, go back to the drawing board. We we created a 10-minute sequence that we, we don't really need, but we're trying to... It was like, we know we oh, need wow. like a three-second shot of this or a 10-second wide shot. That, so everything was like based on locations that were real and then augmented with computer graphics. But like tactically the way that like hitchcock you, you know used to famously like hitchcock's shooting style he storyboarded everything so meticulously that he knew every piece he needed so if, if it was a hand reaching in a drawer to get a gun he knew he needed a one second shot of a hand reaching it into a drawer he got it you know like the planning made it so every effect that was created was created with like thought and precision and not like throwing a bunch of stuff at the wall and then redoing it and seeing what sticks um because right. he said that people were kind of asking like how did you do this movie for this and it's like that's how they did it that's how they yeah. created the effects they did and the feel that they did was like start with something real and then augment and it's it's not like there's no effects i mean I, you know there's a ton of like vistas in this where it's like i mean somewhere between like blade runner and star wars level in terms of just absolute visual detail and it's like it wow. gave me it gave me good like sci-fi like serious sci-fi goosebumps at different points. And then it gave me the kind of the fantasy kind of goosebumps in other spots. Um, I do think I, you're attributing it to the actor, Steve. I think in general, Gareth Edwards will, he kind of continues to have not so much a problem with characters. Cause I do feel like this movie had a lot of heart in it. Um, mm -hmm. But there is a kind of dryness to his world that I think makes a movie feel a little, a little toned down or a little bit like it never quite reaches a full crescendo or something like there but but it's such a that's such a cool movie that like it really is like i can't i mean i i came away from it i didn't come away from it like exhausted by it um but i do think that like if 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 it fails to engage with some people it might be because it is sort of like luxuriously paced and it's not you know it's not in a hurry to give you all this information and yes at the center even if you want to be kind to the lead performance you would say it's a sort of hanging back laconic style performance that doesn't give you a lot of mm. of emotions to hang on whereas a more dynamic actor in that role may have 
you know, been just the thing for it. So, um, but yeah, I, I was kind of disappointed to see it underperform or to see the kind of general scut about it, scuttlebutt about it be that it was kind of mediocre when I really do think it's got some, some really cool, it, just, just sitting back and enjoying the the look and feel of it is it's got a very specific thing going on. Yeah. I mean, one of those, it's like a big swing of a, of a movie, even if the scope is smaller in terms of a budget. I just like these original sci-fi ideas, even if it's kind of being pieced from things we've seen before. Yeah. I just, it, it is, it is disappointing, you know, that it's like severely underperformed, you know, even with a small budget and like not some crazy A&R thing or, you know, production, you know, um, publicity and marketing. Like, I'm sure it's not been insane. Like it's, it still can't make back its budget. It's kind of ridiculous, you know? Um, but yeah, I would. It is a high recommend for me, and, I, and honestly, the visual piece of it is like is 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 the candy around it. I mean, I just feel mm. like it. The movie. Um, he was he was telling Gareth was on an, again a podcast I listened to talking about like basically how the film had two cinematographers because like Greg Fraser, who's also a producer on the movie, shot a, a bunch of the movie, uh, and then was like, "Hey, I have to go film Dune 2 for Denis Villeneuve." And, like, who's taking over this thing? Because like John said, they were going all over the world to do this. And um, one of Greg's like proteges, a guy he, I guess he's been kind of helping out. Orrin Stoffer shot the rest of the movie. And, I mean, the movie looks incredible. Like it really does look incredible. And when you hear how they made it, like John and I've been describing, it just makes it even more of like a visual feast. Honestly, mm -hmm. like the AI and 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 the sti uh, the simulants that they're called, like the way that they look, and like you know, it just looks amazing. Like, and also just a real quick attention, like in terms of performances, the young actress, mm -hmm. uh, Madeline Voiles, I think is her name, who plays the kid in the movie. If you've seen the trailer named yeah. Alfie, uh, she was incredible. She was yeah. incredible. Mm. Um, definitely a high recommend for me. And if you can catch it in theaters while it's still there, I was able to finally check it out on its last day on IMAX, um, which was amazing. Um, try if you can, but I don't know if it's still there now with. Taylor Swift concert coming out this weekend. I think it's going to lose all the IMAX screens. <laughs> Ronald, the way that you love to, I mean, the, the way that you love to watch a movie and do it right. Um, I have a feeling this is the kind of movie that you'll have fun. Like I have just, a feeling testing man. out on your system or something. It's just made with a real, but I mean, you've seen Gareth Edwards movie before, even if we didn't love the Godzilla movie, we all agreed that like, it's a visual it uh, awesome. triumph. Yeah. And, yeah. um, uh, you know, Rogue One certainly has has a lot of things going for it. And one of the things that it has going for it is that slightly more like <laughs> dry, serious tone in some ways. Like I wish the characters had popped more in that movie, but I liked the feel that 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 was brought to the the just the look and the feel of the world in, in that movie. And, you know, he continues to be that kind of stylist who's able to create something yeah just feels a little bit more real or just looks like there he's showing you some kind of details like he's good at making things seem huge and he's good at like you said steve that the kind of intimate workings of those uh robots and just the whole implications i would also say just as a sci-fi fan the i've always been fascinated with the idea of like you know robots like what would happen if we did pretty much exactly what happens in this movie, which is like yes. the technology exists. And then we kind of decide, no, 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 we really can't have that. And then, and then we sort of discontinue, you know, a certain kind of artificial intelligence. Um, but like, if it was based on real people, uh, 
you know, the scanning personalities into machines or whatever, then that means there's the possibility of like a copy of somebody out there or a person that is the, you know, the whole thing of AI right now means something different to us. Cause we've been debating it in terms of like, uh, using AI to steal, steal, uh, money from artists, um, and still people's images and all that stuff. This movie kind of comes down in favor of like, isn't all life real life, you know, is, is artificial life in this movie is kind of presented in a sort of compassionate way, but it's kind of funny to be like, well, in real life, we're dealing with artificial intelligence, but in a totally different way. Um, so yeah, that's one of the ways it kind of felt like a fantasy because there's still something kind of magic about the way the, how human the, the, the created beings are in this. Mm. Yeah. Can't wait to see it, man. I've yeah. been I've been really wanting to see it. Well, Steve, why don't you give us the thumbs up, thumbs down, quick writs on those on those other? Those okay, other I'm gonna run through a couple real quick, yeah. and I'll try to if I if my memory serves where you can find them. Uh so we got to, so Reptile is uh, on Netflix, mm-hmm. and um, I'll I'll lean into a thumbs up on that one. That's Benicio del Toro, um, Alicia Silverstone, and Justin Timberlake. It's kind of like a, a a cop thriller mystery murder mm-hmm. mystery um i love benicio del toro i just it was a great reminder of how much i love him and like yeah. when he's great he's great and he's really great in this um bottoms i thought was hilarious i'd been hearing about this from every festival that screened it for a while now it's finally on demand uh it had not a great run theatrically this at the end of the summer into the fall uh on demand now uh i i was laughing my ass off rachel sentence in it uh i had a very and who else was it that I recognized? Um, Havana Rose Liu, who I've seen her in a lot of stuff recently, but um, just really funny high school sex comedy, you know, just and a fight club sex comedy. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would definitely recommend that. That's on demand. Um, no One Will Save You, I thought was great. That's a big thumbs up. That's on Hulu. That's an alien invasion thriller with like literally one maybe word slash line of dialogue. That may mm-hmm. turn some people off. Um, Caitlin Deaver is in it. I thought it was great. Like, I really, really like that one. Um, I, I'll, I'll second, I give that one a positive, not quite as positive, but I do think that was a really inventive, um, movie. Like, I think it got a little monotonous for me because it goes, it starts off, it gets to where it's going pretty quick. You know what I mean? Like there's shit yeah. happening very quickly in it. And so I feel like between that and maybe the last 20 minutes or so, it didn't feel like there was as many places to escalate as it was just kind of Mm -hmm. a sustained suspense but what they do to create that world where you don't really have a lot of dialogue or any um you know i'm always impressed by a movie that works a kind of trick like that and i love the sort of twilight zone aspect of what's actually happening at the end it's a good creepy kind of so good sort of resolution and i think yes uh caitlin deaver we've seen her before and liked her and things but this was like She's kind great of, in this. Uh, well, this is just like a tour de force. It's like a great opportunity for an actor to basically hold the screen for the whole time and really be the main the main person that you're following. So I agree. Good one. Uh, Flora and Son is on Apple TV+. Plus. That's the new John Carney. Um, if you've seen uh, Once or Sing Street, which all timers right there, I think. This one um, is also a thumbs up for me. Maybe not to the same level as those films. Um but uh you know who stood out if you've anybody watched um bad sisters the other series that they had on apple tv plus mm-hmm. last or earlier this year of uh, eve houston was on that series she's the lead in this um jack rayner's also in this who you know has kind of been in some of john's other films um this is a movie about a mother and son trying to connect over 
two different styles of music and how they kind of marry together and kind of create music together and kind of, you know, kind of repairs their relationship. Um, this it's a thumbs up for me. It was great. Um, again, not as good as Sing Street might be my favorite of his. Sing Street is like like a flawless movie to me and the music is incredible. I think maybe that's where this one is a little different. I don't think the music is as good as the other films as like memorable songs that like I would just like listen to in in, in Spotify if I could or when I do actually. But um, yeah, that was a thumbs up. Uh, VHS 85, I'll probably lean toward thumbs down. I feel like I'm just like at some point maybe hate watching these movies just because like I got it from the completionist uh, pieces. I got to watch all of them. Haven't we um, been there with the previous ones? I feel like we were. Yes, yes, for sort sure. Sort of not big fans of them. And then <clears throat> I, I feel like I'm connected to a couple of people that have worked on them. So I have yeah. sort of felt a and, little and bad I, for being so down on it. I love that they right. exist and I love anthology films and horror anthologies, but it's maybe not my it's maybe not my cup <clears throat> of tea, but I'll still check out this new one. And yeah, I mean, like there's always like one, you know, short or like some piece of the wraparound that I like, you know, that stands out. But as a whole, um, I don't really think uh, I don't really think there was really much here for me this time around. Uh, but the 85 is out digitally now as well. Haunted Mansion made its way on a Disney Plus. You know, I'm kind of middle on that one. I, I guess I'll lean negative. I'll go with thumbs down on that one um, only because of the cast that's involved. The production value is great. It looks really cool, um, but it just it's it's so kind of vacant and just empty to me. You know, mm -hmm. like I didn't really find it that funny. You know, there's you got Tiffany Haddish and Owen Wilson, Lakeith Stansfield, Danny DeVito, or sorry, the crazy awesome cast, right? Mm -hmm. You know, Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, but at no point was I really totally into this movie. It's not horrible. Mm -hmm. Uh, my wife and daughter loved it. Like my daughter's actually watched it multiple times. It's it's okay. Like it's not too scary. She's six. Um, but I kind of was a little less on it. But so that's a negative for me. And the last one I was gonna say was Fair Play, just to give some Netflix attention here. That's their new thriller that came out last week. That was a big uh, Sundance uh, movie this year. Um, and that's a definite thumbs up for me. That's uh, what's his? What that's your boy, John Alden Ehrenreich. Mm -hmm. Um. And um, what's her name? Uh, Phoebe Devonor. She was in the first season of Bridgerton was like kind of where she blew up. Um, but this is kind of like a workplace thriller about uh, two characters who are having a secret relationship at their job. Um, and a promotion comes up where one of them is expected to get it. And the other one kind of sneaks in and gets it in, in front of them. Mm -hmm. uh, it kind of just like sets their relationship into... A spiral and it's kind of exploring like workplace dynamics um like sexism just like the financial industry that it's happening within eddie marsan is always in it is, i'm sorry eddie marsan is also in it who i always love seeing on anything that he's in um but yeah this is like a really good thriller like just like two people just falling apart and you know deteriorating because of pride jealousy you know success it's just it's just it's it's hard to watch but it's sort of like this podcast except with only two people <laughs> right it just escalates so um so nicely like you know it gets it just gets so tense by the end of it it's just like the last 10 15 minutes is just great but uh that's called fair play and um yeah that is on uh netflix now I think that was all the ones I wanted to rattle off. What did you have, John? You said 
Exorcist, I saw, you saw? I, I saw The Exorcist Believer and uh, saw X. And I should say about the Saw movies, the only ones I've seen are Spiral and this one. <laughs> oh, no. You got to so see So I'm going to go back and watch the first one. I, I finally have had my curiosity peaked. This new one takes place sort of between the first and the second, I'm told, or kind of interweaves with the first and the second. And, and, and I'm to understand the timeline of these movies is already kind of a complicated thing. And this one is designed to sort of sit at a spot that makes sense to give you more of Tobin Bell uh on screen and and this i i'm to understand again this is a pretty a, a pretty big uh outing for him as a person who's on screen and we're following for much of the movie um i actually did find his performance kind of engaging and interesting i i don't really buy into i know we're not really supposed to think he's like a guy who's got great ideas and makes great choices but i really don't buy into this kind of premise of like the choices people make in those traps being something that says anything about them other than just this fucking sucks to be put into a trap. That's going to like suck your eyeballs out. You know, yeah. however I do, there's almost a little dark humor in it. The way that with Hannibal, you would sometimes get the feeling that like um, Hannibal could see you do something vaguely rude and then decide like, Oh, I know how I'm going to kill and cook this person, you know? Yeah. And I think that, <laughs> that, that with Tobin Bell's character with uh, John Kramer or Jigsaw, um, there's that little element uh, in this of like, there's a moment where he sees somebody do something bad and he has this kind of fantasy of what he wants to do to them. And it's, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know if I wanted more of that, but it was a little bit funny to me. And I was like, well, that has to be knowingly funny. They know that they're, that, that this is an outsized reaction so that some of the things he does are like an overreaction to what the person actually did. Um, but this movie gives you some real villains. Like the people he takes on in this are people who actually do have it coming. And I don't know if that makes it more or less fun to watch, but to me, it was just like so unpleasant that it's like, these people are terrible people and he's not that great. And the predicament he puts them in is, is awful. And what they have to do is despicable. And I just felt like there wasn't enough light or something in it for me but i'm not saying like oh it was so dark i couldn't handle it i'm just saying i felt like this is a generally kind of unpleasant movie but is is anyone going to walk out of this movie saying it was supposed to be pleasant probably not so there's like a part of me that was like god i hate this movie and another part of me that has been thinking about the things it did that were sort of successful so i don't know i i will be interested to hear what a couple of uh fans of the series or at least i know you ronald have watched them all if you've seen them all too right steve yeah, or not. Yeah. So I don't know. I would like to have a conversation with two people that have seen it. But my general feeling is I think fans of the series will find a couple of these traps, a couple of these predicaments pretty interesting. Um, there's, to me, some awkward staging. There's a moment later in the movie where there's like four or five characters interacting and someone has a gun. And that that is always used in a scene to sort of say, this is why people are going along with something. But I, I, I felt like there needed to be more motion or action or something in this scene that it feels kind of static. It just feels like characters wouldn't do some of the things that they do the way that they happen in this movie. And I can't really talk much more about it than that, except to say that, you know, I, I do think this is a reasonably well done movie for, for all that, like outside of a couple of little issues where I felt like a scene just didn't work for me. Um, I, I, I'm really curious to know what fans of the series think, because I think even for fans, this is like both a throwback and I think it's different. Like the structure of it, I think is a little mm. different from some of the other movies. It's more like a bunch of characters in one place that plays out over a long time and less like a bunch of isolated, you know, scenes kind of strung together. But um, 
which I think makes it more like the first movie, right? The first movie is kind of a, a one room mm-hmm. sort of thing. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, I mean, I'll check out the first one at least. Um, and I might watch, you know, a couple more Ronald Dano. You've been trying to get me to watch these movies forever. So, yes. Um, so I will, <laughs> I will at least dip into the first one. It made, this one made me curious enough about that. And then I guess exorcist believer, I'll just say, um, you know, this movie's not that terrible like it's not even terrible it's just got some i was watching it knowing that people have reacted poorly to it and knowing that it's already kind of sunk this this trilogy plan that they had right like david gordon green is off future exorcist movies or is he like have they announced that steve yeah from what i read i, I read that he reportedly is not directing it i think oh. the script for the second one which is to be called deceiver is yeah. already written uh but the reports are saying that he's apparently not directing it well, well, I would be actually curious to see what the plan is for the next one, because this movie does feel like there's another shoe waiting to drop and like it's leaving some threads dangling. But I mean, this movie just like I, we've talked about it, Steve, you know, The Exorcist is a movie as horror fans that we don't feel particularly like it's not one of our movies. Like I, I admire it. I admire William Friedkin making like a guy who didn't do straight genre, did do a lot of horror making this movie. I do yeah. understand what it is that makes it so impactful. It's just never been one of my personal favorites. Plus, mm. there have been one, two, three, four, four attempts to sequelize this already. Right. Like there's been the second exorcist movie there was exorcist three then there were like two versions two different edits of a prequel um i'm just saying this notion that this is like stepping on this perfect movie i I, you know there have already been some sequels that have stepped on and diminished the legacy of the original exorcist this movie didn't strike me i mean it's very much like the halloween thing all over again with david gordon green who directed that recent trilogy if listeners don't know of halloween movies which is it's a guy who clearly has some passion for this subject doing his own kind of take on it I don't think this movie quite merits. It's not really that new of a take. It does a few things right. I think the first third or first half or so are actually more interesting than kind of what happens beyond a certain point in the movie. Um, it does. It didn't like wow me in any way, but it's, you know, that 25% or whatever it has on Rotten Tomatoes, that just means the only 25% of the critics are saying this is a great movie or a good movie. That doesn't right. mean it's a 25% good movie. It's probably... a somewhere it's a it's a low d or maybe a c if you want to be charitable towards some of the things it gets right i do like some of like the lead characters in it are interesting um it's really one of those movies where you can feel from the start that the script is one of the weaker points of it like one of the things that's letting you down is uh, is dumb dialogue that is just on the nose and not enough around the edges but then in the direction and the performing, there's a little bit of life to it. Um, I will say that when it gets, when things really heat up, it kind of get like some of the filmmaking feels bad. There's also some kind of sloppy moments where it just doesn't feel like when, when the horror moments hit that it's done very effectively, but it's still, you know, it's got some creepy stuff in it and it's not, it's not terrible. I, I don't know. I feel like it's weird that it's this flashpoint movie. I think anything maybe exorcist related, people would talk about it like it was diminishing a classic, but um, you know, four, four movies have done that already. Uh, so let's not act like this is the first attempt or not. Let's also not act like this is the first horror sequel that is maybe not as good uh, as the original. Um, yeah, right, right. But is this a movie that is going to excite you about that idea of the proposed trilogy? I don't think I'm quite there yet. I, I am curious. I'm glad to know maybe the script for the sequel is going to survive in some form just to find out what this movie is kind of leading towards because it does feel like it's leaving some things uh, unresolved that that are kind of interesting 
Um, and I will say again, I don't have the, I, sh- I should pull it up. The actor uh, the, who plays um, uh, Leslie Odom Jr. Is, as the lead is, is very solid in this. Lydia Jewett uh, as his daughter is really good. Also, we already know we like uh, Norbert Leo Butts uh, from certain things he's done. He's, he's pretty solid in this. And I think Jennifer Nettles, is she, is she from, um, am I wrong that she was in, because uh, I thought I recognized her from something. Maybe I did Is that one of the mothers? That's one of the mothers, but she plays the, uh, yeah, one of the two mothers. I guess I'm not seeing. Uh... Isn't okay. that the, isn't that a, isn't she a singer? Like a country she's a, singer? She's a singer, but I'm wondering if she's acted in other things. And I'm not. But like seeing. she's in like a big, a big band, right? What is she in? Jennifer Nettles is in Sugarland. Sugarland, yeah, they're huge. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, didn't, I, didn't, realize, I didn't realize she was like a actress. Actress. That's, oh, she's I, in Righteous Gemstones. I was about to say, is she the dead mom on Righteous yeah, Gemstones? Yeah, okay. that's her. That's her. Thank, thank, because that's what I was looking to find. Um, yes, is that, that's Amy Lee. Yes. Well, she's, she's, she's good. And, and, you know, the, the parents are good in this. It's, it's, it's not, uh, it's not this terrible piece of shit <laughs> that, that you might've been thinking. I know that's faint praise. I guess it's kind of a wait for it. Uh, you know, maybe catch it when it hits streaming in five minutes. <laughs> well, yeah, the funny thing about Saw X and like basically also the motivation from a lot of this stuff is to have it out before Halloween anyway. Yeah. So even if Exorcist did great, like it would probably still be coming out. I think we saw it's October 24th. That's going to be out. And I think, I think Saw X is going to be out the 20th. So like, you know, they'll all be out prior to Halloween to be able to watch at home and in theaters still. But um, yeah, I didn't get to catch these in theaters. I definitely will be watching these when they come out on demand. I actually tried to go see Saw last week. Uh, I had like a little window to go and it just didn't work out. But um, I definitely want to see both of those for sure. Even, even with the bad reviews um, for Exorcist. I'm curious now. It makes me maybe a little more curious to see it than than even I was. So, um, yeah, Ronald, what 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 about you, man? What did you see anything else? I mean, you've been pretty quiet. Mission Impossible. Oh, Mission yes. Impossible. <laughs> so you so uh, you didn't see that in theaters, right? I did not. Uh, so did you not. finally just watched it. Okay, finally cool. just watched it. First time ever. Okay. Um, I'm ready to see part two. That's the yeah. problem. You know, I know it's supposed to end on a cliffhanger and god i forgot it i forgot you know i was like oh man we're like two hours in and it doesn't feel like a resolution's coming i'm like oh it is part one and we're not gonna get that right away but great action amazing cast like you know it's it's kind of that feeling in no time to die where the story feels like it's kind of coming to an end for some some people. Yeah. Uh, so you know, there's this somberness to it that it it didn't have before. There was always, you know, you guys are working outside of what we've told you to do, and you know, it's always been that these guys up, but now it's starting to feel like sad. It's like these guys are fighting for a reason, and and it's finally coming to the light that they're finally like, oh. Maybe he has a reason for not following the rules. Maybe there's something a little more sinister going on. And I, and I love that it it only took 20 years for this to start becoming a thing where everybody's like, oh, I'm, you know, slowly within the 
the, the, the law, people are starting to be like, oh, man, like he's working towards something. He he right. really wants to suss out terrible people. Um, the action, obviously great. Tom Cruise, it is strange watching him all, run because he's so intensely good at it. And, you know, I can I can jump on stuff. I can still jump on the couch. I can still if you put like two crates up, I can jump. On. But I can't do what, uh, you know, Tom Cruise does. This man is a beast. He is a he is a warrior, and it's cool to see people that still, you know, him and the Keanu Reeves of the world that really want to put on a good show. And you know, despite being a little older than some of the actors around them, look more intense and ready, and you know, just. Bringing their A game, it's it's nice well, to see the the Keanu Reeves is a good comparison because there there's that here's and you know looking at someone now who's older but twenty yeah. years ago thirty years ago like Harrison Ford was doing that too of like aging up just because like especially if you can play the kind of vulnerability of your character or you can show that your character's like maybe out of breath running up the stairs or right, right. a little bit of I can't believe there's more of this shit or whatever like I think that Tom Cruise has started to fold that in it's very slow with tom cruise because i do think he wants to kind of deny that he's aging on a certain level but on another level i think you see him starting to accept that part of the pathos and the likability of a character like ethan hunt is that that kind of like they give him one of those sort of exasperated moments in at least every movie now where he he plays a moment where he's like got to get himself together or he's yeah. like you, what you expect me to do <laughs> what <laughs> you now? want me to do what <laughs> yeah i think those moments are kind of selling what you're talking about a way to have him kind of aging into the part um and have it still make sense um yeah. because yeah, he's still sure. clearly a specimen and can still do all these crazy stunts and right, uh, right. um and yeah, you're right. The casting is important to these movies. The the sort of new people that get brought in to kind of supplement the people that have been hanging out. And also, don't you think it's great that Ving Rhames clearly has like the his condition is like I got to be in an air conditioned room, sitting down um, yeah. at a computer. Know. Yeah, at a yeah. computer. I'll do three scenes. <laughs> he also like also sounds like he's always going to get into something very heavy. You mean to tell me that we have to go over this <laughs> hill and then go over this thing? I don't know if we can handle this this time, Ethan. It's like it's like this crazy, like <laughs> sing-songy thing to his voice that I love hearing. Yeah. And you're right. He doesn't really move around like that. It was crazy thing. Range is like was one of those guys too. Like, yeah, fit beyond fit and like 55 years old. But like, you know, he's clearly like. I'm not going to take on any of the shit that Tom's doing in these movies. I'm going to chill out a little bit. I got a yeah. bum knee. I'm right. going to type a little bit. Simon so. Pegg seems to be saying, let me run on screen while I still can. Yeah. yeah give me a, give me a running yeah. scene. Put me uh, on a I'll, boat from time to time too. But you're right, Ronald. There is a little bit of a, these characters feel like they're closer to the end of their life than they are the beginning kind of yeah, and so yeah. even if they aren't going to end the series in one more movie or even if they aren't going to start killing off some of these favorites except you know sparingly um i do feel like we all know that there's a time where it changes this series if it's a bunch of old folks <laughs> sitting around pulling this stuff off not sure. to say you can't do it but at a certain point it's like you know, you do have to give a reason why people would keep turning uh, to this character for help. And this movie, I think you're right, makes a good case for like why Ethan Hunt is the right hero for this for this caper, like why they need him. Hell yeah, man. 
He's like outrunning every human on screen with him. He's so crazy to watch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so the good. hands extended. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> New Iron Man. No way. I'm running away from that idea. New Iron Man. Oh, he's too old. I mean, I mean, it's okay to have an old one. You know, you, you you're right. I'm certainly not ageist about that this kind of thing. But I feel like if they were going to bother doing a new one, they would they would want a, a young guy. Maybe. But who could do it? Is there a young person that could play? That's charismatic like that. I, I certainly don't know their name. If there's anybody under forty, I I guarantee you, I don't know the name of the young actor who could play. <laughs> yeah, because it has to be the right kind of guy. It has to be the right kind yeah. of. But or maybe I'm just imagining Robert Downey Jr. Maybe it could you could break the mold, different take on the character. But in general, I feel like you still want him to be a, you know, smart ass like that. Yeah, Steve, you seem to always have your your uh, your eye on a couple of young up and coming like hot guys. I, yeah, I'm trying to think who 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 could be. I'm trying to think who would who would be a good Tony Stark, like under forty. I mean, God. What even who even like who's the who are the stars under forty right now? Like, yeah, are there stars anymore? I, mean, I was watching this video essay about. Yeah, it's like, are there not. stars anymore? And some of it has to do with like that thing that um, Anthony Mackie said about like people don't go to movies to see the Schwarzenegger movie anymore. They go to see Iron Man. Yeah, and it's something sure. about that like. And the fact that they kind of let people know that the role can be interchangeable, like, you know, that could be a new Iron Man. That could be a new Captain America. Right. Gets you separated from the, the star of it a little more, which is yeah. crazy to think about. Yeah, I don't know. No one's really jumping to mind. Like, uh, that's under 40 specifically. Under 40. Well, I only said that because I'm picturing the kind of casting they would like to do. And and because yeah. I, I feel like I know the names of lots of actors above 40 is, is really my point. But I can't picture, like, people in that 20s to, you know, low 30s range where, like, those are going to be the big names of the next, you know what I mean? Like, that's yeah, who they're yeah, going to want to yeah. cast for any of this stuff. Whenever people start naming actors we've known about for decades for some of these new roles, I'm thinking, yeah, but I just don't know if that's who it's going to be. Like <laughs> they like to find yeah. new faces for a lot of this stuff. So, yeah. yeah, And like, and like someone who hasn't been in some capacity in the MCU already, you know, right. 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 Yeah, I don't know. I don't know Somebody Joshua I was ja thinking could about Joshua Jackson do it, but he's he's 45, I think. But I, I was thinking about Richard Madden. He's probably one of the oh, ones okay. under 40. I feel like but he's he already in the MCU. Yeah, he's already right. and he could definitely yeah. play a Tony Stark character, but he's already in the MCU. Yeah. Uh yeah, it's weird, man. I don't know. I don't know where they go with that. Yeah. It's wild, man. It's probably another like day. Eight years ago, we would have been able to rattle off 20 people. <laughs> I mean, honestly, though, it's a it's always a question. Are they going to when they when they do that kind of reboot or whatever that's inevitable at some point? Are they going to go young with it? And I I just think everybody wants to. I just think everybody wants you know someone in their their, their late twenties or mid twenties or something mm -hmm. who can pull it off, pull off the gravitas, but who they know they can get like a couple more decades out of you know that that actor. Yeah, 
Like whenever people talk about new James Bond casting, they always mention people in their fifties. And I'm just like, I just don't, I don't know. I just don't think that maybe they will, but I doubt that, you know, that's, that's why I doubt Idris Elba uh, is because I feel like he's been too old for, to be the new James Bond for, a, for 10 years already, but maybe they'll do some kind of cool old James Bond with Idris Elba. I just, you know, that's if just, it's not Idris, I might, my vote is definitely Aaron Taylor Johnson. I would love to see him as Bond. I'd be interested because yeah. him talking in his regular accent is still like a mind blower to me. It still seems like he's doing it like an accent. <laughs> right, right. Like, was it uh, uh, Tenet that he popped up in with his with his actual accent? And it was maybe yeah. the first time I can remember hearing him. And at first I was like, wow, he's really he's really laying it on thick with that accent. And then I was and then I realized, oh, wait, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's how he talks. Yeah. That's how he talks. <laughs> I mean, his American accent is better than I thought, I guess. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. All right, man. Well, that's a lot of that's a lot of episode, guys. That's, that's a lot of episode. We skip a week. Yeah, we skip a week, and then it's like it's vomit. We just can't stop talking about <laughs> stuff that we haven't. Well, we also have a lot about. of stuff too. Too up. much stuff. Yeah, we've that's hashtag too much stuff. That's like our that's our trend right now. <laughs> Let, let's get let's get that let's get that trending, guys. Um, too what's much the name of this stuff. episode? Hashtag too much stuff. Too much stuff. Yeah. Jeez, man. All right, moviesmovie.com is the website. Uh, youtube.com slash movies movie podcast you can follow us there um, for the video element at the latter one and if you go to movies you can jump into any podcast platform that you prefer to subscribe to the audio side of this um, we'll be back next week with a new episode uh, ronald's pick for required viewing is 1999's audition and it's available uh to be to be uh, as well as canopy those are both free uh options and i think he said if you have amazon prime premium which it may be something that was just made up. I'm not sure what that is, but I'm immediately looking it up after this podcast because I they, need it. They missed an opportunity if not calling it Amazon Primium. Primium? I mean, yeah. we can't, we, you got to cut that out of this episode because it's going to be what their next <laughs> thing is offered next week. We can't just give that away, John. We're also going to talk um, about uh, how everything's broken, how the franchises are broken next week. We're going to dig into that subject. In. We're going to dig deep on that one. <laughs> Hours. Bring your comfy clothes for that one, guys. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we'll see you next week. And as always, you've made our day. Thanks. Bye.